Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. What's more normal than talking how much Nebraska sucks these days? <laughs> Pete Thimmel. So I'm going to take my, my pod victory lap after getting beating up for being on the Chip Kelly bandwagon for uh, for the past two years. With SI's Pat Forty. Ah, this is Scott Frost's best team. You know, they're going to be so much better, blah, 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 blah. And if anything, they were as bad as ever, if not worse. Here's Pat, Pete, and I welcome the pod thoughts here are with everyone down the goal. Louisiana, New Orleans, of course, is one of our great eating and drinking towns, sort of a college football hub, even though the only team there is Tulane, uh, but so many great games. And then uh, just thoughts to everybody, I guess, you know, the hurricane slows down, but when it starts raining up in those Tennessee mountains and Kentucky and West Virginia, like, you know, the flooding can just be as bad. So awful situation. Hurricane Ida. We uh, we hope everyone is 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 good. Uh, no, Homa got it tough. I know that whole area. Pat, you know that yeah. that area down below New Orleans well. Yeah, South Louisiana there. Yeah, where we uh, we went on the fishing trip that you notably were not invited on. I, did, um, I, I wasn't in- going to bring it up because I didn't want to hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, but in April we went. Yeah, uh, Golden Meadow. Louisiana down in the marsh country and it's you can go past La Rose which was at is Ed Orgeron's hometown and boy did that place look like it took a beating uh Homa uh Grand Isle uh, Golden Meadow down there and those Cajun boys that were our guides and our cooks and our hosts were great guys a lot of fun I sure hope uh they are doing well and that their lodge survived and I hope they evacuated I don't know whether they were the type to evacuate but I sure hope they did that place got it got the brunt and as you know, well, you were, I, I don't know if I've ever made it that far down, but the elevation in a town like that is like four foot two. Yeah, zero. Like I mean, basically like a fourth grader. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it is it, it is absolutely on the water table, and then you get out into the marsh, and and everything's built up out of the out of the water. I mean, it, it there is not much in the way of actual land there, and I, I fear for how much might have been washed over, eroded, and may never come back. I was trying to explain to my kids a little bit about that. Uh, we were talking about it. It's my younger daughter. Just like if, if a river in the north or you know, rises five feet or 10 feet, I mean, you're going to have some flooding, but it's not just going to overwhelm the entire town. But I'm like, these towns are like 60 feet wide, you know, and <laughs> it's just yeah. like you're just gone, you know, thinking of you down there. If you're listening, I know it's frustrating. 
Uh, we'll try to keep it to uh, give you a little bit of normalcy. What's more normal than talking how much Nebraska sucks these days? <laughs> <laughs> ah, transition, baby. I'm in midseason form, even if the Huskers aren't. <laughs> they actually look like midseason of the last three seasons, or really the last decade, if you think about it. So it's just did. not. It's just not good midseason form. Uh, they look like the midseason form of a team that's gone nine and eighteen in the Big Ten in Scott Frost's time. There is that number right? That number's right. Nine and nineteen, maybe now. I'm, I'm not sure whether that the nine and eighteen count. Yes, yeah, so they should be nine and nineteen. Yeah. Didn't Scott Frost win more games in that one season at UCF than uh, than he has then, at Nebraska? Now? Yes. Yes. He has to go fifteen and one to equal Bill Callahan's uh, record that that still chaps Nebraska fans. Nebraska lost by eight, thirty to twenty two to Illinois. I I don't know what you take out of this for Nebraska. I mean, the coaching was terrible. The execution was terrible. Mental errors. I mean, he said, uh, if I had a nickel for every time we discussed this, I'd have a lot of nickels. And this is from a guy who's got a lot of nickels. Like, he gets paid a lot of nickels. You know, when I watched the game, I saw maybe most concerning is I, there was just nobody any good on the team. Like, who, <laughs> like when they were coming back, like their comeback attempt, you're like, who? Like, there's no separation on the wide receivers. There's no gay ranking talent. I mean, he's four recruiting classes in. Brett Bielema, who we'll talk to. This is the beauty of having Brett Bielema back in college football. This is a, an incredible line, uh, quote because he just says stuff. The only guy, the only guy that really could beat us, we thought was number two. That's it. And I, I think that's a hundred percent truth. I think they looked at this game and were like, these guys are not any good. They got a quarterback, and if we can stop him, we can win this football game. Even though. We ain't any good. <laughs> yeah. This is this is a meltdown right here. This was ugly. It was incredibly bad. The fact that, you know, all of the talk before this season, us ah, is Scott Frost's best team. You know, they're going to be so much better, blah, 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 blah. And if anything, they were as bad as ever, if not worse. They and and it is hilarious. Like the 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 offseason emphasis on special teams. Oh, well, you field a punt on the one and get a safety. You miss two extra points. The the emphasis we're gonna eliminate mistakes. Well, you commit these penalties that absolutely break your backs. Adrian Martinez is our four-year guy at quarterback. He fumbles and it turns into a scoop and score. They and Dan, to your to your larger point, that's the truth. Is there is their running backs are pedestrian, their receivers don't drop the ball, but they don't separate. They've got nobody that takes the top off a of defense. Wondell Robinson had that uh, ability for them, and he transferred back home to Kentucky. Uh, and they just they where's the speed? Where's the explosiveness? And that's the thing with Adrian Martinez. His best talent is running the ball. As a drop back quarterback, he's sub average. He holds the ball too long. He doesn't see things well. He's tentative. Uh, he, and he doesn't have great mechanics or great accuracy. So the best thing they could do is run him 20 times a game, but then you need somebody else to throw the ball. They, they, they didn't have a backup option because Luke McCaffrey transferred. I mean, that program is a mess. And here's the thing. And not only does it come home on Scott Frost in his fourth year, but the thing that really stuck, stood out to me, Frost, as we know, is prickly and cocky, and he got – his hand caught in the cookie jar with these improper practices that is now an NCAA investigation. 
and got trotted out in front of the media and he was embarrassed about it. And so he spent last week trying to be Bill Belichick with the media in Lincoln. He had two press conferences and spoke for a total of like seven minutes. And every answer was this snippy, hands on hips. We're just getting ready for Saturday. We're just preparing for Saturday. We're just preparing. I mean, just like purposefully being a And guess what? Bill Belichick can do that because he wins Super Bowls. Scott Frost ain't won jack at Nebraska. You might need a couple people in your corner. uh, And that media core is not exactly a bunch of ravenous jackals, but they're on your case now, brother. Pat, let me ask you this. You were there, and I, I did start to watch a little UConn-Fresno and got a little distracted when Illinois took over in the third quarter. There were other games sort of starting to happen. I was keeping my eye on the, the Chip Kelly Express. Would you say that Nebraska had better talent than Illinois? Like, I watched that game in the first half thinking, like, first of all, it was it was just coaching malpractice that they didn't just quarterback run Martinez and design sense. Yeah. Like that to me was just, yeah. you have no idea what you're doing at that point if you if you don't do that. But did you do you feel like if those two teams played on a neutral field, Nebraska should win the game six, seven times? Probably so. I mean, I think that they had some better talent on the defensive front, maybe front seven. Uh, but on the whole, I mean, I didn't look at Nebraska and say they are 10 times better than yes. Illinois. And Illinois yeah. ain't good. You know, yeah. I'll give Bielema and his staff credit and the players credit for buying in and doing what they did to, to come out and play well. But it is not great separation in terms of talent, in my opinion. So this is what I credit Brett Bielema for here. Like, it was classic Bill Belichick. Hey, let's just let the other team screw it up. Right. That's really what yeah. they did. They yep. just said, OK, let's let them feel the punt inside the two and throw a forward pass after. Let's let them on a third and two cough it up with a minute left and we can scoop and score it. Like, And then we're just going to I mean, when they took control of the game, they just ran very basic run plays. Right. Like that was uh, that was just uh, that to me. Give Bielma credit. He just sat back, played basic conservative football, let Scott Frost screw it up and Scott Frost screwed it up. That was really that was how I saw that game unfold um, from from uh, from that perspective. Yeah, and I think the thing about the talent is what that's why that's the most concerning. You you could fix a lot of that stuff, presumably. You may not you're not going to have a scoop and score, but if you don't have the players uh, to beat Illinois to survive, like you're going to have to play perfect games, and you're not going to have the players to beat Northwest that 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 October where you got. Forget Oklahoma in a few weeks. You got the Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota run that to me, if those three all go the wrong way and you're going to walk in with inferior talent, that's pretty much it. You're ending with Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. If you can't get through the middle, per se, of the Big Ten, uh, you're sure as hell not doing anything in November. I mean, their last shot at a win is like October 30th against Purdue. And that talent was just was dreadful. He recruited a bunch of kids early from Florida. There's a bunch of kids from Miami. A lot of them have transferred. That was sort of the premise was like, all right, you got Scott Frost. He's got these recruiting ties in Florida. Uh, he just came off a 13-0 season. You can you can build a, a, a formula that makes Nebraska work, and it just hasn't worked. Harbaugh gets more criticism, but Harbaugh has at least had some decent seasons. A lot of like good seasons. He hasn't done enough at all, but he's not not going whatever this is, 12 and 21. So 
He's just, Vince Lombardi compared yeah. to Scott Frost. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Nebraska. I mean, <laughs> Harbaugh generally wins the games they're supposed to win. That was that's, yes, that's right. it, except for last year. But yeah, he wins yeah. all the games he's supposed to win. You just can't beat Ohio State. Can't quite. And all right, but man, you'd kill for that. At this point, that's Nebraska's ceiling. You know, Scott guess, Frost lost to Troy. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh has not lost to Troy. He's got the mighty no. Fordham Rams coming in this week. That line is sources. Buffalo has a chance. Buffalo in a couple weeks. <laughs> sources. Buffalo's had the best practices. Can't wait for that. Uh, I, I was. It was. It was bad. I, look, we've talked about this before, but like, what? What can what can like if Scott Frost doesn't work? I mean, we can pick on him now or say he's not doing a good job, but it was a no brain hire. Yeah. Guy was the hottest coach in the country at the time. He went 13-0 and at UCF, declared themselves national champs. Like, he, again, right? Alum, the whole thing. This is this is going to work. If, if anything's going to work, this is it. And it isn't even close to working. Where do they go? Can they ever really win in the Big Ten? I don't mean ever. But this is the risk of losing the Big 12 when you're you're going nine and three, ten and two. You're in big games. It's easier to get recruits. You lost your ties to Texas because you're not playing down there three times a year. You you've changed. You're you're just another team in the Big Ten with a huge stadium, but you're farther away and even colder than the other places. You you know I remember Brian Kelly once during one of his unbeaten seasons. I remember they were like nine and zero, oh, and he remember saying to me, "Boy, that you know the recruits pick up the phone a lot." A lot quicker when you're nine and zero. You may not get them, but man, they answer the call. You know, because he's had some up and down. You know, there's not always. And this point, like, what where does Nebraska go? What do they do, Pete? So let me let me hijack this. I just saw on Twitter uh, the unbelievable follow message board geniuses, oh, where basically they comb message boards. I mean, how this didn't happen sooner is one of the great internet failures because even if there was like a website 15 years ago that just culled these i mean we would all go there every day to laugh at them and now they just come to us on twitter so message board geniuses husker online slo husker bear with me on this one jim harbaugh's getting sick of coaching michigan and being on the perpetual hot seat because he doesn't beat ohio state long story short maybe he'll come to nebraska <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> Nebraska, this is the post. Nebraska is a clean slate and no-lose proposition. He can show no Michigan lose. that they effed up by firing him or forcing him out. God bless message board geniuses. Well, I got another one. I got another one for there. Go, from go. The, from the Kansas message board, a thread called Schedule Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know that's a low point. You That's know it's bad point. when Kansas looks and says, eh, maybe we can beat them. <laughs> it hasn't worked historically, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah. So Go ahead. I have two intriguing names at Nebraska that have not been really bandied about yet that I think that I think could work. One is, and I don't know the buyout number off the top of my head. Go hire Mark Stoops. He has been perfectly competent at Kentucky, but probably reached the, what's he going into year eight, nine there, Pat? Something like that. So, like, he's been about as good as Kentucky as you can be. And, look, they just need to get nine, back to, like, nine, sorry. Ba baseline functional. But if Mark Stoops showed anything, it's that he could get a perpetually awful program to baseline functional. 
And he brings you recruiting ties in the Southeast, which you need. You need to go out of region. He is a proven winner at a place where in the immediate area, there is not talent. Now, there's some talent around there, but and there's more talent around Kentucky than there is in Nebraska. But I just think he's proven winner at an outlier. And at Nebraska, you have to admit you're an outlier program at this point. The other, and I don't think Trev Alberts would do it, but the other is you go take a dump truck of money to Minneapolis and you give it to P.J. Fleck and let him inject energy and recruiting into that program and let it and let it rip. And you go damage a place that has clearly leapt past you in the Big Ten West and let him try to leverage the brand of the Nebraska program and go. And I'm sure there's others, but those two, to me, are solution-based, not hope-based. Why would either guy take that job? Money. And there's a sense that they're defying gravity at their current program. And if you're defying gravity, you can only defy gravity for so long. I see your points, Pete, and I think I, I like I like both the names there. I just I'm with Dan. I'm not sure at the end of the day either one says, "Yeah, I want to go do that." I don't know. I mean, maybe they do. As you said, I mean, they could probably throw more money at you, more, you know, like, "Hey, whatever you want, we'll do it for you." Than Minnesota, which has just never been a you know an absolute football money factory, in Kentucky, which as we all know, the money factory is basketball. It's not football. So I think those guys would be at least worth a shot. At the end of the day, I just wonder. Gosh, I mean, boy, it's tough to, for me to say. Yeah, I think I can do it at Nebraska. That would be a. T- I'd have a hard time convincing myself, even if I was PJ Fleck, and I can. I'm convinced I could win anywhere. Why, why go try to win there when I'm already doing well at, at Minnesota? So I don't know. I, I, I could see P.J. Fleck. Okay, I don't think he necessarily will, but yeah, I could see him. P.J. Fleck's got that, absolutely. I, if I'm Mark Stoops, I am not leaving Kentucky. I know you're not going to win the league. You're winning the league in Nebraska. He, he gets a ton of players from Ohio, which is right on the board. He's an hour and a half from Cincinnati. And he's, you know, a few hour drive up into Columbus and then the Northeast Ohio where his family's strong. I, I, I they, they get a lot of kids out of Detroit. Like you're, I, 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 if I'm Mark Stoops, Kentucky will pay him. They, SEC's got more, so much money rolling in. I, I wouldn't do it. And I think that's the problem. No disrespect to Nebraska. It's, it's an historic program. It's got a great game day environment. It's, it's the, you know, the whole scene. But, like, that's all it is at this point. And you look around and go, where am I getting players? How am I getting players? Who the hell do I have to beat to to get anywhere? Like, they're staring up at the entire, practically the entire Big Ten West. And then you got to play the East. So my pick, my, my pick on your point there, Dan, is this. Yes, Mark Stoops probably can never win the league at Nebraska, but he can win the division. And he cannot win the division in the league he's in right now. Look, you go bang your head against the wall for eight years and you maximize a place. And Pat, would you agree he's pretty much maximized Kentucky football? You've watched a lot of bad Kentucky football, Pat. Like he's done about as well as anyone in this generation. Rich Brooks had a nice little run there, but he's pretty much pushed it to what it could be. So you go, you take on one more big time job and you go push it up the hill again. I, I, I think that's, I, I don't know. I think that's I think he would consider. I mean, what are you going to do? Go be the coach at Kentucky for 15 years when, you know, everything goes right. You win nine games. Yeah. I, I tell you that the one thing your point, again, is well is well made. 
Stoops has got things wired well enough right now at Kentucky that he could have six players walk into a frat house and beat everybody up and one of them allegedly wave a gun in people's face and nothing happens. The cops wait six months to charge anybody. There's no significant discipline. So, I mean, he's got some things going for him. He needs some Lawrence Phillips level cooperation at Nebraska to, uh, <laughs> you know, if he's going to be able to recruit. Not a lot of civic duty going on over there. Uh, not, yeah. not a lot. Well, yeah. They were getting Jeremy Pruitt level civic duty. Like, yeah, we'll get around to charging him in like six months. Yeah. That might have been the most like Pat comment in the history of Pat on our podcast. Right yeah, there. it turns it into a whack job of somebody else. You shouldn't leave this job because the cops are on board. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any question that he is about maxing out. Like, I don't think any of us would be surprised they come in second in the SEC East this year. They might be the smart pick. Maybe it's Florida. Right. Maybe it's them, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not going to get... They would have to have an incredible upset of Georgia and run the tape. I mean, I mean, it's just it's a very, very hard road. He's done what he's done. I guess... But I, I just I look at Nebraska and I just go, where where are the players? How do you yeah. get players? They don't have any players. They got a bunch of nice three stars and stuff like that, or four, you know, they're, 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 whatever they're recruiting, it's not on the field. So yeah, as you pointed out in the beginning, Dan, I mean, like the the lack of ability to just either run away from Illinois or bulldoze Illinois is a big problem. That means you are not fast enough and you're not strong enough. So you got to be when one of the other. When they were in the Big 12, both. they had players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Dominic and Sue came from Portland, Oregon to go there, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they had they had some men. They had speedsters. They had, you know, and, and it goes to Who a lot the of the corner. Prince, uh, he was in the NFL for a long time. Oh, yeah. Time. Mukamara. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, like that was a that was a all Big 12 High, I don't know if he's a first round pick, but high NFL pick who played, you know, eight years in the league, right? Like they had dudes like that. And even your your three star wide receiver from Texas is just better than your three star wide receiver from Appleton, Wisconsin. They just are. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever these kids are from. And there's just more of them. There's just more of them. And for God's sake, I hope for the the respect of Texas high school football, someone's on text me, go their entire wide receiving crews from Texas. Because they might be, but they got the wrong guys then. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's tough. It is hard. The Big Ten West is like this. We need to have another bead pot, right? I mean, it's just it's a it's a (laughs) dogfight to get to respectability because there's a lot of decent programs now definitively behind Illinois having lost to them two years in a row. Yeah. Like if that, if that doesn't extinguish hope, I don't know what does. And they fired a guy. My favorite stat is this is the first, this is the first time since they went to the East and West divisions that Illinois has beaten the same team from the West two years in a row. (laughs) That's how bad Illinois has been. And they just did it to Nebraska. Uh, Let's talk a little Illinois. I have long said that Illinois is the most, disappointing athletic department, at least in terms of men's and women and men's basketball and football. There's probably some other sports they're good at, but this is now, uh, well, for a long time, it was the fifth biggest state, fourth biggest, then fifth, now sixth biggest, 12.8 million people live in the state of Illinois. The only other major power, major conference team in the state is Northwestern, which has never won anything in anything. No offense to whatever that one Rose Bowl team. Yet in basketball, they've had a couple moments and in football, they don't do anything. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at this. The la- they finished since 2001. They finished in the AP top 25 once. 
20th. In 2007, that Ron Zook Rose Bowl team with uh, Juice Williams. Zook had it going a little. He had that one nine and four season. That's it. It has been, like, how do you have this many players, this many people in your state? Like, Nebraska's got an excuse to like, <laughs> nobody lives here. And the ones that do are old farmers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Illinois, what's your excuse? And not only do you have Chicago two hours away and all the people and then all the downstate cities that put out players, they don't have elite talent in Illinois. It's not, it's kind of a weird high school football state. It's not, there's very few five star. I don't think there's been a five star since like 2017 out of the state. Champagne is Pat. You just drove over there. It's two hours from Indianapolis, which has a ton of players now. Indianapolis is a good high school football state now. They all got into it after Peyton Manning showed up, turned it into a football town. And St. Louis is two hours, two and a half hours, I'd say, from Champaign. And they got players. And East St. Louis is an excellent program. Everybody recruits East St. Louis. How the hell have you been so bad? I'm not going to overreact to one victory. This team is not that good, and they're not going to do a whole lot this year. Bielema can coach. I mean, even at Arkansas, other than the last year, we had one good year. They they won. They beat like Florida, Florida once. They beat you know Ole Miss. They beat the TCU team. I remember you know, they beat some good teams. They're they're not that bad. He was never that bad. And he's great at Wisconsin. He's 51 years old. Like, could he steady this thing and build and build and build? Make Illinois respectable to where you're on the level of an Iowa or Wisconsin. You know, is this the guy that could conceivably do it? Because, I mean, Lovey Smith was never going to be there that long. And some of these other guys just didn't pan out. But I'm not saying tomorrow because I'm not going to overreact to this victory. But, man, Bielema did a nice job on, on Saturday. He really did. He and his staff just had that the whole team so much better prepared than most of the Lovey Smith teams I saw. Certainly the Lovey Smith team that started the 2020 season by getting absolutely steamrolled. Illinois had a plan and knew what they wanted to do. And then even when their starting quarterback gets injured after three series, they knew what they wanted to do. And they did change some things up, some for Art Sitkowski, who I want to give the, you know, the unofficial small sample Heisman to Art Sitkowski, the quarterback who came in for Brandon Peters for Illinois, who got thrown into the fire right away at Rutgers. And let's just say things didn't go very well for him. As a freshman, he was like the starter. That poor guy ended up with four touchdown passes and 18 interceptions as a freshman there. There was one game against Maryland. He was two for 16 for eight yards with four interceptions. His quarterback rating was a negative 33 which is like impossible. <laughs> so Wait, go over that line again. Two, two for 16 for eight yards <laughs> with four interceptions. It may be the worst line in the history of quarterbacking. I, I don't know. I mean, certainly in the 21st century, I'd give it a shot at being the worst. So Art, Hung Who in there that for three Maryland years. I, I can't wait to get spammed this week on Twitter with worse quarterback lines than that. Bring it <laughs> on, You have please. a worse quarterback Pickle. line than that. And we say this out of due respect because you came in yes. and took care of business and beat the Oscars. That's the but. thing. So he hangs in there. He transfers. He gets thrown into the mix, you know, and, hey, he's 12 for 15 for 124 oh. yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. His rating's 193.44. 
220 points better than that worst game. Good for you, man. Good for Art. Good for Illinois for having him ready and saying, you know what? And here's the thing, too. Bielema had been saying, this isn't my Wisconsin teams where we're just going to smash Matthew. We're going to have to do some things differently because he knows they're not good enough yet. And so they, they picked their spots. Uh, Art threw one great deep ball that ended up setting up a touchdown. And they just made it work. Ryan Walters did a great job coordinating the defense and calling the plays. And that team tackled well. That's one thing. And that's another way you knew that Nebraska had no separation because they 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 were there to be tackled. And by God, Illinois tackled them. Um, so I, I give Illinois a lot of credit. And yes, I think you walk away with exactly what Dan described. Guarded optimism. Yes, maybe this is the guy who can do it. Maybe not right away, but you got to like that start and just the competence and confidence that Brett Bielema is going to bring, that he knows how to do this. Brett Bielema, by the end of Arkansas, had turned into a bit of a caricature. There's no other way to say it. But I, I just think too too often we, we, we judge coaches by their lowest moments as opposed to their bodies of work. And give Illinois credit. After one of the five worst hires of the last generation in Lovey Smith, which was first guest awful, execution poor. Eh, maybe it's like a top 20 in the last he generation. He grew a beard like different. no one's business, though. Oh, Lovey just, I mean, he, he was just grow dying a beard. to get fired. I mean, he was just dying to get fired the whole time. It was just, it was, it, there was just that program had no energy, no identity. It was terrible. And I really think that what they did was they were like, okay, this guy has won the Big Ten West. He might have won the Leaders and Legends or whatever it was called before because he was around back in uh, back in that era. But he has shown he can consistently win the league as a head coach in the league. You know, people forget Brett Beal was an old K-State guy. So there are Bill Snyder bones in him. You know, like that's the same tree that produced <laughs> the Stoops brothers. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps literally. I don't <laughs> The Stoops brothers and Jim Levitt and some like very serious coaches have come from that Bill Snyder tree. So I think Bielma humbled, goes to the NFL, learns from Bill Belichick. Goes to the Giants, learns from Joe Judge. Would coaches go to the NFL? I've had guys tell me this over the years. Like you are, you are, you are so much better at the football aspect of things, the game management aspect of things. You are spending so much time on football specific situations that you just come back a much better coach. And we saw that in game management with uh, with with Illinois on Saturday. So I w I was a huge fan of the Beal Mahire and look, they could they could lose to UTSA this week. I think that's that's very much on the table. They certainly could get pounded when they go to UVA in two weeks. But what right you have right now is you have identity. They got a good salty veteran offensive line that returns eight billion starters and starts. I don't think any of those guys are first round picks, but they're big and they're old and they can they can move defensive fronts and wear you down, which is what happened on uh, which is what happened on Saturday. So I'm very bullish on the on the Bielma hire because I think he will he will guide them to the identity they need to go win football games and having a coaching tenure where you where you lose and get fired. You, you can learn from that and evolve from that. And I think Brett's done that. I give him a, I give him a ton of credit. Yeah, I just think like if if you give them the time to you give him these years to start putting recruiting together, work the in-state. I mean, there's a lot of people in Illinois that want Illinois to be good. You never want to send your kid to like a dysfunctional place. And I think it'll be functional and you'll start looking at it. And I think recruits and coaches and parents will say, you know what, this is what it's going to be. This guy's around. He, you know, he, we, we know him. He's recruited 
you know, certainly those west suburbs of Chicago. We got a number of kids to go to Wisconsin from Indianapolis again. I, I just it, there's a lot of potential at Illinois. It's just it's just a matter. Of, there's no reason that if if you rewrote college football history and just looked at it, you go, why isn't Illinois? Hell, why isn't Illinois Nebraska? Right? Yeah. Why isn't Illinois yeah, one of the sure. best? It's it's yeah. this big of a state and you have no competition. Oh, the Indiana region, all this stuff. So it's there. I don't know. We will see. But I that's a that's a very exciting day for uh, Illinois, and that'll probably conclude our Illinois football talk for the year. Let so. me throw in one more real no, quick. Be, talk. We'll be back. We'll be sorry. Back. No, Go uh, got to. They got to be a little worried about the crowd, though. I mean, and I understand there there could be a certain percentage of your fan base that just doesn't want anything of going to a stadium still with the, with the Delta variant going on and and everything else, but. Announced attendance was 40,000. At least 15 of that, at least 15, was Nebraska fans, I would say. 12 to 15. Uh, Were students back? Yeah. Oh, the student section was full. I will say that till halftime. Then it emptied out significantly, even though they were winning. Um Pat, it was a hot day. Yeah, yeah hot you got day. a new coach. Pat, if we had given you the choice between writing your column or going and drinking six beers in the parking lot and we gave you some truth <laughs> serum, <laughs> what would you have chosen? Man, I say, I'm going to say I sat in the stadium all game, every game when I was a college kid. So I'm the wrong person to ask on that front. I didn't sit there no, sober I meant now, not when you were a college kid. <laughs> well, now, yeah, okay. <laughs> But no, I, I just think you, you got to look at that and be a little bit deflated. Like we got a new coach. Everybody's been waiting to go to a game since 2019. And nope, they've not been waiting to go to an up. Illinois game. They're waiting to go to a Bears game. <laughs> well, but if you want to talk you, about a lot of people who want to see Illinois be good, where are they? They wanted to be good, but you have to win and motivate. Some, I remember I said everything's two hours away. You got to motivate someone to drive two hours through a bunch of cornfields to get there. They're never going to have great attendance unless they're absolutely killing it. I mean, it's just it's 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 just too hard. I mean, it's just you're just too far away from where people actually live. So yeah, but that's it's I think, hot, like, man. You're like I only got so many weeks to go up to my lake cabin up in Wisconsin, or I'm going to play golf. Like you know, I. I, I'm not surprised. I mean, if, if this was a viable program the last hundred years, yeah, they would have had a crowd. But I can see why. <laughs> if this is a viable program the last hundred years. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Red Grange was within century, the last right? hundred years. All yes. right, let's all see. Right. Last, 19, the last 80 years. Tam, they won on, the Rose right. Bowl in uh, 63 by an old Pete Elliott. Was that Dick uh, Buckus Since or? then, they lost the Rose Bowl. Oh, there was a stretch of bad bowl games they went to under Makovic. No, uh, I forgot. I mean, you know, Ron Turner and the Micron PC Bowl in 1999. They still toasting that one. Uh, <laughs> didn't Ron Turner get into a Sugar Bowl early 2000s? Oh, yeah, yeah, they lost, though. They lost. got smoked by Nick Saban's LSU team. That, um, they, the 83 Illinois Rose Bowl team is one of the worst Rose Bowl teams ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I saw them, their season opener was my first game as a student at Missouri. Missouri killed them. And then they went through the Big Ten. I was like, they can't be the best team in the Big Ten. And then they went and got just rolled by, I think it was UCLA in the uh, in the Rose Bowl. All right, let's get to UCLA. Yes. 44-10 over Hawaii. Absolutely rolled them. Thought the, A couple of us thought the spread was too high. Pat, you went 4-1. and one. Yeah. Yeah, Pete I went 4-1. Let's and two. get that out there. I went, I went 3-2. and two. 
I went three I went and three two and also. Two. Did we all I have did. winning records? Once again, establishing our credibility as a betting pod. Bet If you want the betting pod, race for the case later. Uh, this week, it was funny. Last night, I watched the Jake Paul, uh, a quick aside, the Jake Paul uh, uh, Tyron Woodley boxing match. I know I'm, I'm a sick person. And they had uh, the they had the barstool sports guys on who, who are funny and entertaining. And they're not there to really give advice. But they before every fight, they gave their pick. They lost every bet. Didn't they really? <laughs> <laughs> and they kept going. We just, <laughs> this was going to go pretty much owned like by a, Penn Gaming, which is a gambling company. So you'd want them to give losing bets, right? Yeah, that, maybe that was the point. It's it a was good really profit funny. strategy. So they were laughing about it. I give them all credit. They're like, you know, it, but it was just funny. It was like. We're back five minutes. We just predicted it would go the distance and it ended in 12 seconds. But we're back now. And uh, this fight, we totally got it. No, they were, it was funny. Um, the only thing I truly predicted was that UConn would melt in Fresno. I don't even believe they finished the game. Did that game end? <laughs> Did you see the the pregame hit that everybody tweeted about where Fresno brought extra shoes in case their shoes melted? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Day game in August in Fresno on artificial turf. What could go wrong? Yeah, the uh, the the strip sack for the first points of the game, I believe, is the first points of the game. I had two two games on was just like you were like, oh, here comes 45 nothing when it was just UConn's quarterback went back, got stripped and it was a scoop, a scoop and score. And it was all uh, it was all downhill for uh, for the Huskies from there. Even Edsel couldn't get a bonus out of that disaster, could he? Yeah, yeah. Patrick Stevens, our friend who, uh, longtime college uh, sports writer Patrick Stevens, had a great tweet. He said, uh, it will require a $2,000 bonus for me to flip back to the UConn-Fresno game after (laughs) (laughs) That was a tweet right at our hearts. All right, anyway, UCLA, excellent, excellent effort. I'm sure Pat uh, Pete wants to hand out a small sample Heisman to someone at UCLA. I don't know. I, they, they look great. Hawaii did not look great. I don't know what that means when we get next week when LSU shows up. Who knows what the state of you know uh, affairs for the LSU? How much is what's happened? Drag on them. Uh, you got a lot of kids from Louisiana on that team. Obviously, who you know, it's very unnerving. But that'll be a big game. We'll get to uh, in the, on the pod later this week, but. How impressed were you with UCLA? How much can you take from this? Because this looked like, finally looked kind of like exactly what I always thought a Chip Kelly UCLA team would look like. It's taken a while, but at least unlike Scott Frost, we're getting there. So I'm going to take my my pod victory lap after getting beating up for being on the Chip Kelly bandwagon for uh, for the past two years. This was fun to watch because it looked like a Chip Kelly team. I mean, remember those Oregon teams just used to blast people in the non-conference. I mean, they would be up 45 to three at the end of the first quarter. They would just annihilate teams and then just sit on the ball in the second half and not do anything. So again, I'm not saying this UCLA team is going to make the playoff or anything like that, but it was fun to watch Chip Kelly essentially run three running plays and just completely shove the ball down the opposition's throat. And what I've said about this UCLA team came true. They have a very good offensive line. They have excellent tight ends, and they got two really good backs, including Zach Charbonneau, who we never saw run that hard or like that at Michigan. Did you? I mean, how? Like, that? that's amazing to me that he looked that good after looking fine. He was fine at Michigan. He was okay. Big-time recruit who looked fine. but He didn't look anything like that to me at Michigan. He had moments, but... Um, again, it's Hawaii, so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to get too excited. But 
it was just nice to see Chip dialing it up again and UCLA to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of swagger. The defense also really played well too, which has that's really been early on for Chip. That was really the uh, the downfall. And look, this UCLA team is they are ma- maestros of the portal, right? They are, they have not recruited five stars. Chip is going to coach guys he likes. They, they they churned over the roster from Jim Mora, which was a bunch of like four stars who weren't great fits. And this this team is been a slow burn build for Chip, and it's it's it is at least viable and fun, and it's it's nice to see UCLA relevant. Yeah, I I literally saw none of the game, but I did you know I checked the stats and everything, and yeah, that's what you want a Chip Kelly team to look like is one that can absolutely run the ball at will, uh, and beat you with speed, formation, execution, blocking, uh, which apparently they did, but. You can you can take the victory lap, Peter, but they've got to do it again against a team that's probably going to line up a little and be a little bit tougher to run against. And maybe they will. Maybe they'll still have success. That maybe they they have a lot that they didn't show against Hawaii. Uh, still want to see Thompson Robinson throw it a little bit better. But I, I yeah, he was I, just know. okay. Sadly. Yeah, he was just okay. Yeah. So we'll see what they bring to the table this week. And as Dan alluded to, I mean. Just if from a purely competitive standpoint, UCLA has LSU where they want them. You know, in disarray, out of town, came off a 10-hour bus ride from Baton Rouge to Houston just to get away from the hurricane. I'm sure a lot of those players are very concerned about family and friends left behind. Uh, it's not an ideal way to go into a football season opener, that's for sure. They will be a little tougher to block next yes. week uh, for that. But now, very impressive and, for UCLA. And they'll have a little more fans in the stands. There's already LSU yeah. fans out there tailgating. So yeah. were there? Sully, what'd you what you yeah, think yes. of the Bruins? You saw the mighty Bruins up close uh, after yeah, a few yeah. uh, a few beverages. What'd you think? A fun experience at the Rose Bowl. Game sucks, especially when we're on Hawaii. Yeah, the the biggest takeaway was the, there was some purple already uh, tailgating. One guy I found was there had been there for two weeks already. <laughs> Sully sent us the picture on the group text. He looked like Les Miles' cousin. <laughs> they went and tailgated at their opponent's game week before game. And they were Strong. still late from some of them. I mean, <laughs> now Pasadena is a nice place to, 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 to camp. I mean, if you're going to hang out, uh, get out of that southern heat. Lord knows they didn't know the weather was coming, but they're scouting. Case Coach O needs a scout I guarantee report. it. They were sending emails to Coach O. Well, this is not they're lining up in on third and short, Coach. Just want <laughs> you to be ready. We coming at LSU.edu. <laughs> it's email's got to be Coach O at LSU.edu, right? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> it's just easy to – he's probably not that hard to hack. I'm not saying anyone should do it, but it's probably – it's like – that or we coming is his password. I don't know. <laughs> It's probably What's not Coach O's that. middle name? Do we know that? I don't think he doesn't have one. Barely <laughs> has a first name. It's my favorite middle name. You ever heard this middle name story? It's James. Oh, it's James. James. You know Abe Lemons, the old Oklahoma, like, uh, oh, yeah, legendary, Baptist. Yeah. And like, yeah. and then he was at Texas for a long time. Very funny uh, old basketball coach. He grew up in one the one Depression. One of the great characters. Yeah. Grew up in the Depression in Oklahoma. Dust Bowl, Oklahoma. And his, his name is A. E. Lemons. That was his name. But he started calling himself Abe because it just became too hard to tell people his name was A.E. So he just gave himself the name <laughs> Abe. So they said, what is the what does A.E. stand for? And he said, nothing. They just gave me initials. 
Says I was bored so poor we couldn't a na- we couldn't afford a first name. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Uh, my favorite, my favorite name stories. So you're giving Zach Charbonneau your your small sample Heisman, Pete? We're not we're not yeah. doing a set thing. Yeah, you know what? I'll give it to the whole Bruins offensive line. How about that? I mean, they just they, they, they Dan, you could have ran for a hundred yards on uh, on on Saturday. Not not all at once. <laughs> <laughs> I have a small sample Heisman, but it's not a football player. I'm giving it to this kid, Gavin Ulin. Gavin Ulin plays for the Taylor Michigan World Little League World Series Championship team. They won the World Little League World Championship. A credit to all the little leaguers who played. This kid, I, I give it to him for two reasons. One, he, had, he he's not a pitcher, but they were out of pitchers because you know they got all these pitch counts and safety and stuff. So they had to make him pitch the last inning of the Little League World Series and hold <laughs> no off the Ohio team. Like, is there a bigger nightmare in sports than having to pitch when you're not a pitcher? No. No. <laughs> you're like the second wow. baseman or whatever. It's like, oh, no. That's he pressure. Hit, he hit two dudes, walked three guys, but somehow won the game. Good but it him. is not that. Gavin Ulin has his own lawn mowing business. They did a little feature on him during the game. He charges 40 bucks a lawn, and he's got 10 clients. Wow. This kid's 12. He's making bank. 400 a week. <laughs> of course, Wessel loves the lawnmower guy. I am going to hire this kid to come up. I'll pay extra if you come all the way to my house. <laughs> I love this kid. And he, had, he was at the Little League World Series, pushes his dad's lawnmower around. He's making 400 a week, like 20, 20 to 25 weeks. He's making like 10 grand a year. Damn. All under the table, too, now. Well, <laughs> we don't want to Good accuse him. a 12-year-old of tax yeah. fraud. Let's not narc him out, Pete. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's 12. I don't think the IRS is going to go after a 12-year-old. Man, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he <laughs> made it. He, since he was at the Little League World Series, couldn't do his round, so he made his grandfather do it. I love this kid. Good lawn mowing 12-year-old who can also uh, win the Little League World Series. That's my guy. You'd Even actually you let him cut your lawn? I thought nobody got to cut your lawn. I might you. let him. Okay. He's a world champion. Yeah. It's pretty big. I don't know. I probably have to like go pick him up. He can't ride his bike. Can't push his mower to my house. Looks too far away. <laughs> anyway, congratulations. Yeah, I got this uh, this note here from uh, West Virginia University President E. Gordon Gee, who's of course uh, been president of, like fourteen colleges, uh, most notably Ohio State, and a staunch anti-playoff guy. Remember, he once said they have to drag the playoff from my cold dead hands. But <laughs> something. <laughs> It's a great quote. Pete often calls him, I think, late at night in case he's into the bourbon to get really good quotes. <laughs> he's Mormon, actually. So. Oh, he's Mormon. Really? Not that. Maybe he's just tired. I don't know. Anyway, this one, he's now opposing. He's opposing the playoff. I am on the college football playoff board of directors, uh, and I was a strong advocate for the 12-team playoff. I am now no longer because I think with this changing environment, we want to keep it very narrow. And keep it there. So there's a lot of opportunity to reconfigure what we're doing in athletics. He said, uh, I think it's on life support. I have one of the votes. I think it nearly needs to be unanimous. I'm not voting for it. Uh, I think it was a good idea whenever when there was stability. So Gordon Gee is saying he there will be no 12-team playoff because the Big 12 is not stable. Uh, and I only wonder what the hell the guy is thinking. You are now a group of five T program. You should be running to a playoff proposal that offers up six automatic bids. 
This is literally the last lifeline getting thrown off the side of the Titanic for Big 12 teams. Pete, you know this guy well. He's your buddy. What is he talking about? Is there a, is there a, is there a thinking here why you would oppose this plan at this point? So I'm going to tell my favorite Gordon Gee story here. Um, <laughs> his second most famous quote uh, after you can pry the playoff out of my cold, dead hands was that when he was the president at well, Ohio State, I mean, he had the famous quote there. Yeah, he said, I, I think I asked him the question. Oh, was maybe that I your didn't. question? I was there. I was there. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I can't remember. Would you fire Jim Tressel? And he said, I hope Jim Tressel doesn't fire me. Yes. I mean, so this is his third most famous quote. Okay. All right. uh, when he was at Ohio State, he referred to TCU and a, another one as the Boise. Little Sisters of the Poor. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then he ended up like actually going to the Little Sisters of the Poor in Ohio somewhere and like making him a lot of money because he's Gordon Gee. Like he's just yeah. a survivor and he's charming and he's kind of funny. So he TCU, volunteered with them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was a nice. I actually when I was at the New York Times, I actually went to the Little Sisters and did a, did a story. They were very they were wonderful people. That year, TCU beats Wisconsin in the uh, in the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, California. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, my game story, January 1, 2011. So after the game, I go back to the press box and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call Gordon Gee. It's quiet in the press box. And so basically I get Gordon on the phone and the, you know, the 10, 15 people around me are all like cracking up <laughs> because I got Gordon Gee on the phone. And to his credit, he said, I will eat. He said he was in New Orleans visiting his daughter. And he said, uh, or he said, I'm going to New Orleans tomorrow. And Antoine's is a famous restaurant in New Orleans. He said, I think they serve crow. I'll be eating my portion of that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a way to say, even when he says things that are nonsensical to be polite, Gordon Gee can talk his way out of them. And what he said about the playoff wasn't particularly sensible. Like what they're doing now is posturing with the power they have. But I wrote a big future, the big 12 column last week. And if people didn't read it and listening, they, they can look it up. There are two things that matter to the big 12. One is TV money. And two is access to the playoff. You can just cut everything else out. Those are your two North stars. If you want a vibrant, viable future in college athletics and cutting off any potential lifeline to the playoff is not smart. So what the Big 12 has to do is leverage maybe some sympathy, leverage maybe some TV angst and make sure however this 12 team playoff is recreated, they are at, they are they're in a position where whatever their league looks like, it's attainable to get there. Yeah, I've got, I've got reached the point where I I feel like if if Gordon Gee says something and it's nonsensical then then it, my feeling is that I'm on the right side of it because <laughs> he's just nine times out of 10, the first instinct to come impulse to come out of his mouth is going to be wrong. And this one, he's dead wrong, at least in terms of what's in the best interest of West Virginia. Uh, I mean, it's pretty darn clear. You need the biggest playoff possible if you are West Virginia. First of all, you ain't the best team in your conference. And so you, you want the Big 12 or whatever league you're in to get multiple bids. And then secondly, yeah, the Big 12 is hanging by a fingernail and probably could well end up being relegated to a group of five sort of designation. And then you want to try to get that. So he's, you know, they this again, so many people in college athletics, the first 
impulse is let's protect the status quo all the time. Even if it doesn't make sense for your team or your league or whatever, the status quo is not good for West Virginia. You need a bigger playoff for sure. If you don't have access to the playoff, like reasonable access, you'll never get the TV money. Yeah, it correct. is the it is the single most you won't get the recruits, and you won't get the TV money. It is the single most important thing. The Big Twelve, like the old Big East, that died because they didn't do enough. This was their always their lifeline. Their only chance of keeping Texas and Oklahoma was if Texas appreciated the path to the playoff. And, and it didn't work out, but if it hadn't been that automatic bid, then maybe Texas doesn't jump. But instead, they opposed it for all these years, and now they're finally getting around to it, and boom, it's too late. Maybe it would, maybe they would have gone anyway. But the moment that the playoff could have saved everything all along. And yet, these leagues like the Big Big East and and the Big Twelve, when it was under Dan Beebe, it made it was like, what are you doing? This is your this is your this is your thing. Don't you see? You're not really equal with these other guys, right? Like it's just you're not you're not you're going to get cut. And now they're all got cut. Now they're going, but then he's still opposing it. So I think someone will talk some sense into Gordon. He has been a lot of fun for uh, from a media perspective. But when I was like, oh, well, here we go. Do you guys agree the Big 12 needs to go uber big, uh, supersized to 16? I liked your column on that. I thought I liked your reasoning. Uh, I, I thought that it made sense for two reasons. One, as you pointed out, you cut the legs off of your competitors that are nipping at your heels to be the fifth best conference. You know, you take teams from the Mountain West. You take teams from the AAC. You gotta go get. You gotta go get the, the the Cougars. I'm sorry that you know everybody's going on and on for years about how they'd be a bad conference partner because of their high maintenance. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of religious strictures that go along with them. But so what? You go get them. Uh, you get the bestie, whether it's Florida, whether, you know, in the state of Florida, whether it's Cincinnati, whatever. Anyway, you cobble it together big and then you can withstand if other if other schools are going to leave. So it gives you size and it does hurt your competition. I think that's your best choice. I think you hold the line at six automatic bids. And then if you can't get that, yeah, you can't. You you cash in on your brand. The Big 12 is a better name than than the others. I actually I want to see unlike I, I want to see where the playoff goes. If you got six, you don't necessarily have to go to 12 or 16 teams, because if you had 16 teams, some of your schools, I mean, right back where you started, you might not, you know, only one of 16 teams is making it. So I don't know. But if there's six automatic bids laying out there, you got to feel pretty good if you're the big, the big 12, that you're, that you're going to get one of those every year. And that's, that's not bad. And if you you only have eight teams, but yeah, if you get back to 10 or you get to, I don't know. All right. We got to pick these last, uh, we, we're going to pick a bunch of games later in the week for the race for the case. We're going to have a separate podcast where we look into all the games and talk going forward. But there are two big Thursday night games we want to get to now because when the race for the case comes out, who knows? Uh, so let's do this. We'll start. We'll have a supersized uh, race for the case this year. Ohio State at Minnesota, 8 p.m. Thursday on Fox. Delicious opening night game for uh, for the Big Ten schedulers. They did a great job. Big Ten, great job scheduling getting getting things off the bat. Ohio State's giving 14, 90% of the bets and 86% of the money on BetMGM is on Ohio State. Yeah, I thought about this a lot. 14 is a big number, but I really feel like just from a pure talent perspective, 
Ohio State is at least three touchdowns better than Minnesota. I think Minnesota will run Muhammad Ibrahim. They have that huge offensive line. There is a way for them to shorten the game and keep this close. But I just think the preponderance, and obviously C.J. Stroud starting his first game, and there's some unknowns there. But I just think the preponderance of overall talent is going to uh, is is going to win out here. Tanner Morgan is a is a very good up you know higher end Big Ten quarterback, but I don't think he has the diamondism to uh, to, to really hurt the Buckeyes in the uh, in the secondary. For all interested parties, um, I would just. If you are going to uh, dabble on BetMGM on this game, I would just wait and see what the health of Chris Ottman Bell is. He's Minnesota's best receiver. He's been progressing back from an injury, but it's not certain he's going to play. Uh, we're taping this Monday morning, and so he is, you know, one of the five best players on the on the Gopher roster. And any any decision you make on this game, you you should just factor him in mind. I took the home dog last week in the Big Ten game, and it worked, and so I'm going to do it again this time. There is a chance Minnesota gets boat raced here, just in in terms of talent and speed. But, again, 14 points, pretty sizable number, and 20 returning starters on one team, 11 returning starters on the other. If they can control the line of scrimmage and they can run the ball with Ibrahim and a very veteran offensive line going up against a uh, Ohio State front seven that is replacing a lot of guys, I think they've got a chance to at least be in it. I'm not. I don't think they're going to win. Uh, you know, best case is is it's a touchdown game. Probably more likely ten, maybe thirteen. But thirteen is better than fourteen because the line's fourteen. So I will I will take the Gophers and the points. Oh, this has backdoor written all over it. You know, uh, uh, Ohio State replacing everybody in the back end of their defense as well with Tanner Morgan being able uh, piggybacking off of Pete there. If, if Altman Bell can play, they might be uh, chunking the ball around late in that game and be able to uh, to get a backyard backyard cover. But with all that being said, I'm going to go with the talent. Give me the Buckeyes. This fourth quarter is going to be like a nightmare. I think I'm going to go with uh, Minnesota, but it's going to be tight because 14 is a lot of points. Ohio State's a better team, but we just so many unknowns. Quarterback, uh, there's so many unknowns on, on Ohio State. A little bit more in Minnesota. Home dog, also weeknight home dog. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, one I wonder of my if the tenets. opener nullifies that a little bit, but yeah. They're going to be sauced up there. The game is oh, yeah. Be, oh, yeah. And, and it's the Buckeyes. It's going to be a rowdy environment. Uh, the whole thing. I am going to take. What's a good local brew there, Pat, that they'll be, uh, that they'll oh, be drinking the, uh, in Minneapolis? Surly Brewing Company in Minneapolis. Oh, there you go. There yeah, they'll be all over the If there was ever a brewing company built for Pat Forty, it would be the Surly Brewing Company. Damn <laughs> right. They got Surly. Actually, they have a, a, a beautiful, actually, beer garden, beer hall, like home place thing. Uh, it's fantastic. I recommend anybody going to that game to go to the Surly Brewing Company and sample. Get down to Sally's Saloon, right? Isn't that the one right near there? It's pretty good. Uh, near the uh, stadium? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Sally's Saloon. I believe it's a pretty pretty popular with the uh, the college kids. I don't know. But the, well, to get with our University of Minnesota correspondent, Jeff Shellman, let mm. us know. Good call. Uh, loyal listener. Next game. Other game. Boise State at UCF. Delicious little game, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Central Florida is giving five and a half. 70% of the bets and 90% of the money are on UCF. No respect for Hank and the Boise State Broncos. 
Oh, I love the uh, Golden Knights here. Or I'm sorry, they're no longer the Golden Knights. I say that on occasion and I get angry responses from the very uh, responsive fans of the Knights. Uh, I like UCF here. I think uh, Boise's talent probably is not what it was in their heyday. They've had a coaching change now. New coach stepping in, road game. I We have a new coach, obviously, also at UCF, but I think uh, Gus Malzahn plugs in well with the leftover talent there. I think he's going to do really good things with Dylan Gabriel, uh, and I think that they are going to put a lot of points on the board, and they will win and cover. I always like it when I go against Pat twice. Makes me feel uh, makes me feel good. I'm going to take. It Boise shouldn't ever. after last week. Yes, you did go four and one last week, and I went three and two. Pat, um, four and one is better than three and two. It is. That is <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag analysis. Um, <laughs> math. It's all math. Yeah. The uh, the the last time I took Boise in an opener and said I was on the Hank Bachmeyer bandwagon, I got laughed off the podcast. <laughs> I remain. On, and they won at Florida State to open the season. I remain on the Hank Bachmeyer bandwagon, and I will uh, I will take Boise. They return 16 starters. They have two tailbacks who can control the ball and slow the game down. And I think they can uh, they can go there. They traveled two days early, by the way, which is uh, you know when you're going cross country, nullifies some of the jet lag. That being a that being a huge factor there. And I think Boise meets the moment. The Bachmeyer bandwagon. Dragon's getting run over by the Gus bus, baby. Let's go. Uh, the bus, yeah, the bus is bus is going to be rolling. Going to be uh, it's going to be eighty eight percent humidity down there, and they're going to melt. They survived that Florida State game a couple years ago. Uh, great game. Uh, I'm going to go with Boise. I think they bounce back. I'm going to have to see the Gus bus work at, at, at UCF to to go with it. So I'm with Pete on this. Uh, I think Boise covers. I don't know if they win, but I think they cover. This is our first two. Is the Bachmeyer bandwagon pulling into Waffle House, Dan? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. We eat your waffles. Yeah, they definitely don't have a Waffle House in Boise, I don't think. So they're, they're going to have to Smothered and covered. Remember Pat's Boise bus back in his uh, ESPN days? You, you oh, yeah. ran that bit for a good amount of time. I did. Ran it hard from 2010 11, something like that. I'm looking on the Waffle House website right now. It looks like the closest Waffle House to Boise is in uh, Collinsville, Illinois. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, no, wait. Fort Collins. Fort Collins. Okay, that makes more sense. Not close, by the way. No, no, not close. But the game isn't there. No. They got no respect. They're going to disrespect the Waffle House. (laughs) They don't. Waffle House means nothing to them. They grow those potatoes, you smother and cover (laughs) and dice and whatever. Uh, We'll be back later this week. Appreciate y'all listening. Get ready for the season. Good times. Please subscribe. Tell your friends uh, and share us on social media. Appreciate all of it. Talk to you later.